0: Welcome back everyone to the Writing High Podcast. I know it's been a long time, it's been a really long time between episodes. Mike and I have had a lot of stuff going on in life. For me, I've needed to stay low-key due to some personal stuff. And as we sort of come out of out of that, we're both really keen to get back into sharing some stuff which is going on in life and maybe adding some value to somebody's life out there, or at least a bit of humor with Mike and his rants around various different things. Today, it's gonna be just me, well, me and a guest who I had the pleasure to interview last week. Mike is missing in action. He's taken on a gym full-time, possibly doing seven other different things, I imagine, knowing him quite well. And look, he'll be back next episode and he can share with what's been going on with him, For me, in short, this year 2020 has been a super productive year and a year where my philosophy has been focused on faith and patience. And it's just reinforced time and time again that those two things are what are are gonna get me through this year and into a really good, good space coming into 2021, even the back end of this year. I'm almost through my masters of social work six hours away from finishing my Diplomary Counseling and getting back involved with the suicide prevention world in some exciting endeavors coming up and some stuff with the Mental Health Commission as well. And yeah, look, I'm just gonna get into the interview. So last week I sat down virtually of course with a guy called Bevan James Isles. Now I interviewed Bevan maybe two years ago and it was an interview that I got a lot out of and the content that he spoke about particularly with planning your your day and your life and the structure that you can have around that and really setting yourself up to succeed in whatever you want to want to achieve it was something that resonated with me and even even to today I still recall some of the stuff that we spoke about so look I sat down with Bevan last week and we had a really really good conversation about how you can handle yourself in times like coronavirus and with your mindset and also just some other stuff around basically just living a great life. So look, I'm gonna put that interview on and at the end of it, I may come back or I may not. But look, anyway, thanks for hanging tight and thanks for the people who have reached out over the last 18 months and said, hey, when are you guys gonna start podcasting again? Which kind of makes Moose and I feel quite quite loved in a sense that we have people from around the world who email and say they absolutely like listening to us talk whatever we spoke about. So anyway, here comes the interview with Bevan. Thanks, people. Peace. Jerry Seinfeld said, to me, if life boils down to one thing, it's movement. To live is to keep moving. For me, that sums up Bevan and his tenacity to move towards big, beautiful things for himself and those he interacts with. Bevan is an author, fitness coach, run coach, athlete, and all-around nice guy. And I'm stoked to be chatting with Bevan. Bevan, how are you, mate?
1: Yeah, good, mate. Thanks for having me. What nice things to hear about yourself. Thank you very much.
0: (laughs) Look, mate, I'm going to start with sort of the context of what we're in today. And the first question is based around, so a lot of us have been evaluating life and decisions that we've made and things that we've been doing since we've been in this lockdown phase. I'm interested, mate, how have you managed your mind during tough times in life, similar to like that of that around the coronavirus? Do
1: you know, I, I think one thing I'm very fortunate, you know, you often you think, what are you lucky to have in life? Um, and one thing that I'm lucky to have in life is a perspective that finds a good way. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm just, I've always kind of been that person who, like I have a saying, my friends always give me a bit of a hard time about it, which is, It always works out. And it's kind of a fundamental belief that I have in life. And so I think in many ways, because I have this as a foundation of of who I am as a person, even in the most struggling times, and and don't get me wrong, I have my insecurities, I have my doubts, and I have the moments that I have to work through, but I do fundamentally believe that the other side of this will be better. Um, And so it is just, you know, like I, I just think that I have that fundamental ability to look at something and see the way through, and and how to keep it in perspective, um, and not make it bigger than what maybe you know than it really is. And so I think fundamentally it's just that the way I look at the world, and I and there's definitely been development about that. But I think also I've like I remember as a kid when I was walking down the street and I I love picking up like seeds or little things, just throwing and aiming at things, and and sometimes I'd throw something and I'd miss it. But if I'd aimed for the other thing, it would, have, it would have been an awesome throw. And and so instead of beating myself up for not hitting the thing I was aiming to hit, I was kind of like, wow, imagine if I'd aimed for that thing. That would have been an awesome throw. And so in some ways, I think just luckily in my character perspective, I'm just very lucky I have a perspective that works for me.
0: Okay. yeah, That's that's a really cool perspective and a great answer. But you, you used the word luck at the end there. Do you really think it comes down to luck or is it more of a, a – characteristic of you and what you've put into developing yourself
1: i think um there's a bit of both so i do think that i am the person who is naturally optimistic who is naturally going to believe that i can work through things but then on top of that there are a lot of systems i have in life that keep awareness around that um so i do use a lot of tools and systems that are really about me Keeping alignment and keeping focus on the right things. So yeah, you're right. There is is definitely this kind of innate, I was always going to see the glass half full. That's definitely who I am as a person. Um, But at the same time, I also have lots of kind of little strategies and tools and things I put in place which allow me to, you know, keep that really at the forefront of my mind.
0: Okay, okay. Optimism. I mean, I'm a fairly optimistic person too, but I guess through life I've had to learn that, sometimes optimism isn't always the best perspective sometimes it's nice to just go okay stuff sucks and that's all right too Mm -hmm. where do you sit with that in your in your philosophy of the glass glass is always half full versus a half empty bottle yeah in terms of then going well you know what now it's time for me to actually just say this sucks, and then try and learn from it? Like, how does that fit in? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I do. And I, and I think ultimately, I think one thing we were going to become really great at is almost having measurements. Um, you know, like I think of all the areas in life where I do really well in, there's a sense of measurement in that for me. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and I think what the measurement does, like for example, I'm really good with money, and I've always been really good with money. Um, but I also budget every week. You know, and I do basic budgeting each week of my life, and I've done it for over, geez, 23 years now. And so when you budget each week, what you do is you stop and you see where you are financially. And so you see, oh, I'm spending a bit too much money here, and so I need to make better choices here. And in business, I'm a business owner, in business, the better understanding I do around reporting the better understanding I can make choices moving forward and so I'm a big believer in self-assessment and so for like I've talked about finances and business here but also every night I write a journal and every night I do a five-year diary and so I do these little things each day in my life which helps me to have an assessment of where I really am and so when there are the suck moments I think tools like that help you to keep things in perspective because I think what a lot of people do is when they get to that hard moment they blow it into a bigger thing so the problem just seems tenfold and maybe not as, as big as what the problem really is. And mm-hmm. that's why I like the idea of measurement tools because measurement tools give you the ability to go, actually, the real problem right now is this piece of the puzzle. And so, you know, in finances it's here or in, in the way I'm behaving, it's here. And if you have awareness tools and kind of measurement tools, I don't know, it allows you not to inflate the real problem and, you, you know, you still have to face the problem, but I, that's why I think awareness tools are such an important thing because awareness tools get you to catch the problem earlier. So, uh, like, for example, kind of, yeah. you know, like if you think of, like, budgeting, or, you, you know, okay, let's use me, me, journaling at night. If I have a day where I've had bad eating or bad not exercised or, um, or done something that's just kind of against my characteristics that are important to me, because I journal that night, I have to confront that. Whereas, if I didn't do that and I went three or four weeks on that safe behavior, then I wake up and I've got a much bigger problem I've got to solve. But because I catch it early, then it's like, okay, you know what? You ate too much food today. What are you going to do tomorrow to make sure you don't do it? Same with like budgeting. You know, if I have a week where I overspend, which I don't tend to do, but if I do, you're catching it that week. You're not waking up three months later with a whole lot of debt behind you. And to me, it's that, that idea of awareness tools are such an important thing because you, things don't become that big because you catch them so fast and as long as you're willing to work towards improving them when you catch them then like I have never woken up and gone where is my life you know I've had moments where I've had days where I'm like Bev you not so sharp today but because I've got those awareness tools I know okay tomorrow what do you do to be sharp so I think that's a really important thing to think about.
0: I've never heard that concept of awareness tools before. I love it. I've just written down awareness tools like five times. Yeah, but for me, that that's kind of like that that independent, objective view. Like you just write down the facts of the day, and then you can look at it externally. Yeah, and and for me, it's kind of like the way I'm seeing that. It's that's a really great great tool because you can catch the thought that you're having as it happens, versus you know yourself. Like sometimes, if you if you let it go on for a week or a month, you've got the thought, constant thought. And then that thought turns into a feeling. So then you're thinking things and then you're feeling it yeah. and then you're feeling it, then you think it more. And then yeah. all of a sudden, your behavior you matches it and you get that habit where it's like, oh, I'm a bad budgeter because you've constantly thought and evaluated with the feeling and reinforced it. Oh, I love that, mate. That is awesome.
1: Well, when you think about awareness, what's really interesting is that we all have it. But often, unfortunately, it's the adverse, it's the, at the end of the line. So, you know, like for a lot of people they do have the awareness does trigger change, but it's when they've got to the point where they don't like themselves so much, you know? And so it's that whole thing of, you know, you wake up and you are 20 kgs overweight and you're just sick of being overweight and you have an awareness of, I need to change something. Well, my strategy is, okay, I've eaten too much today. How do I make sure I eat, you know? So I never wake up 20 kg overweight. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I can, I can quite confidently, and this isn't with arrogance, say, I'm never going to be an overweight person. Now, unless there's a medical problem, but if it comes down to behavior choices, I'll never be an overweight person, not because I'm better than anybody else, just because I've got these tools that catch that odd day where I've eaten too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: No, I agree, I agree. That's, That's a great perspective. Now, in that whole reflective thing and having these awareness tools, what are your thoughts around gratitude and forgiveness? And do you think they're linked how do you how do you view them?
1: Gratitude, and, uh, the gratitude and forgiveness linked. Mm, that's a really good question. Uh, oh, I've really thought too much about it. Well, I'll, I'll talk about the each individually first, and then maybe go. So, I think ultimately, I love the idea of where do I get to spend my thinking. You know, like for me, one of the, you know, I've, I'm a very kind of try to be driven by my values. So my values are things like love and honesty and growth and these kind of, you know, if, I, if I'm if i trying to evolve myself, I'm trying to evolve myself around my values. But one of my fundamental values is freedom. Um, and it's partly because I was such a poor academic, so I left school with no qualifications and, and kind of went down a bad path. And so the idea of, I always had to have, for me to have freedom, I had to have control of my life. You know, the freedom to kind of do what I want to do with my time. But that's kind of evolved into this thing of, I want the freedom to think about what I want to think about in my life. Um, and don't get me wrong, I don't get this right all the time, but I love the idea that I get to think about solving fitness problems for other people or that I get to help people or that I get to kind of create or I get to, you know, like I, I love that I want to spend as much time on the thing that I want to think about. And when I think about um, forgiveness, often the problem when there is the need for forgiveness is that ultimately the other person is owning you anyway. So somebody might frustrate you in your life. And I imagine a lot of people who listen to us will kind of get this, is that they just end up owning your mind. You know, the, the frustration they bring to your life. Like I remember once I had a manager and she was a, she was a good manager for the business, but I'm not a very good people manager. So she was really good at organization. But when it came to the people, she was a terrible manager. And I felt when I dealt with her, I should own me for the next two or three days and so for for me that was a waste of my life because I'd rather be spending my time thinking about better things in my life and so when I think about that whole idea of mind space I think that ultimately forgiveness is ultimately about you freeing yourself you know it's about you allowing yourself to have the space to put your mind on things that you want to put your mind on because when you don't have forgiveness you're kind of owned by the space of the other person, and so the forgiveness probably isn't altruistic, the forgiveness is probably about you freeing yourself from that, um, but you probably have to give forgiveness to have that freedom, now I'm not sure, because I'm, I'm I'm not somebody who has a lot of, I don't experience a lot of um, unfairness, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't have that many people I have to forgive. So I'm not quite sure if that's something I have to experience in my life. Um, and then gratitude, I think gratitude is massive. Gratitude is massive because, you know, if you can if you can have gratitude, you can appreciate what you have. And ultimately, you know, that's, that's what we want, isn't it? Is, is we are all chasing something, or many of us are chasing things that aren't necessarily that great for us. Whereas if we can have gratitude, like, for example, I coach running in the morning and I can be up at, five in the morning, setting up a bloody running course and it's freezing cold and you know it's raining and stuff and and I go wow, everyone else is in bed right now, how lucky am I to have this? Mm -hmm. Now, that could be a situation I think sucks or I can kind of go, wow that's cool. And Mm -hmm. to me that's what gratitude is about, it's ultimately just having moments of allowing yourself to own that you have something great. Mm -hmm. So then the merging of them together so I suppose the question for you is where does that question come from?
0: Look, it comes from a bit of similar to what you're saying about coming up at 5am and being like, rather than, Oh, it's horrible weather. It's like, how fortunate am I to be here? I had this perspective eight weeks ago. I had a hiking accident, opened my leg up, bunch of stitches. Mm. And for the last three days I've been in nature. And yesterday I went up this place called devil's thumb and it was a phenomenal hike, like goes up to 1100 meters. My buddy and I left home at 5am, drove there, we were terrified of snakes and stuff like that and when we hit the top I sat there and I went "Hmm, you know what I was like really down and sort of annoyed at myself that the injury had happened and in that moment I sort of went you know what it's been good like I sort of forgave myself at that moment and then in that moment like my gratitude like I just started going you like just screaming at the top of this mountain and my mates like what I said Forgiveness, buddy. That's the key, and that, that's where that question came from. So, yeah.
1: Well, one thing I love—I love this idea of don't blame yourself, blame your strategies. Like, it's interesting—you're blaming yourself for an injury. Now, what happened in the injury?
0: It was a freak circumstance. Fell over in nature. I found some very okay. sharp nature. Yeah.
1: So, so, so it was bad luck. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah, like you know, like that's not you. That's not your character no. traits. You know, and no. it's interesting—you were beating yourself up around yep. a, a, a luck action or an unlucky action in life. Yep. Um, and, and I just think there's a lot of people who you self-identify in a way that they beat themselves up and it's about their personality. Mm. And for me, one thing I'm always trying to encourage is don't blame yourself, blame your strategies. Now, and this or see the situation for what it really is. Because yep. for you to be beating yourself up, the fact that you tripped over in nature, that's pretty unfair on yourself.
0: Yeah, and to fair to what you said like it's on reflection that eight week period that i was injured was eight of the most productive weeks of my life like i was so focused and did so much work and achieved so much and that's put me in the position now where i'm sitting here chatting to you starting the podcast again because to me like michael and i were like it's going to be another six months but that eight week period was just bam
1: so so ultimately there was lots of value in that time yeah yeah Yeah. there was there was
0: and look your, your answer, it's great. It kind of leads me into the next question. And part of the study that I've been doing is around this thing called ACT. So acceptance, acceptance commitment theory. Yep. And what that is is about working with people to effectively accept where they are, identify their values and live a life based on those values instead oh, of okay. living a life based on, okay, here's my goal. Now, I'm just going to go after that goal. It's no, no, set your values and adjust your goals to align with those values. Yeah. And it, it sort of, sort of when I was studying that, it reminded me back to you talking about your success formula yeah. in life and how you do that. So, I guess the thing was for me was how have you figured out your values and how often do you, you need to assess them, assess them?
1: Well, going back to awareness, I, I assess them every day. So every morning before I get out of bed, I have this little kind of document on my phone that I read through, um, and it, it's it's basically an awareness tool which has who am I. Basically, fundamentally, there's lots of different segments to it, but there's kind of who am I, um, where am I right now, and what do I want to get out of today? And there's lots of segments apart of, it, but one of them is just my values, and it has my values. Um, and so every day I'm assessing how you going, how you doing with those values values goals you know like I'm just asking yourself how you doing, yeah. um, and I've, I read a really good book a few years ago I can't remember what it's called but it was a, a sports psychologist, and he was arguing that the problem with a lot of sports nowadays is it's just about the result it's just about winning, but ultimately the compromise of that is that we get behaviour that's actually against who we are as a person. And the greatest example for Australian listeners is Steve Smith, Steve Smith. Unfortunately, put winning before his characteristics mm-hmm. when he cheated against South Africa, and you could see he the cost of the on him. Now, getting caught never helps, but the cost on his personality was absolutely huge. Because ultimately, if you would asked Steve Smith, "Do you think, think you're an honest person?" he would have said yes, but his actions proved that he wasn't, and that was you know, and that's what this guy was saying in this book was that, well, ultimately our evolution just should be about evolving our values, and we want to use sport, and he broke it down, I liked it, he broke it down into performance, and um, moral values, uh, so, so for example, my moral values are like love, honesty, fun, stuff like that, my performance values are things like ambition, growth, and so on, um, and so each morning, I just kind of I'll just kind of assess those, but one other tool that I really love that he introduced, which I introduced, is I basically choose one of my values, and for a two-week period, I put I just put a focus on it. So, okay. like right now, I'm doing ambition. Okay. So, basically, all you do is, when you wake up in the morning, I read my values, think about how I'm doing, in them, and then I just think, okay, today, you're going to try to find moments to be more ambitious, and you're going to try to take the action that takes you more towards ambition. And the whole idea is you kind of do this for a two-, three-week period, and what you learn is, is, in every day in all your values, there's moments where you can go toward or you can go away. And it just, you know, what would I find when I do this technique is that moment hits you in the face. You know, that moment when, you know, you suddenly there's a moment to be ambitious, but maybe normally you kind of shy away because you don't want to put your hand up. It's like, well, no, now here's your moment to go deeper into your value. So that process of identifying one of your values and then just trying to, look for the moments in your day where you're going to take the action toward is really great. So definitely that thing of checking in daily and kind of putting a focus on a value. How do I choose my values? I think think fundamentally we do know what they are, but a good analogy I use is, I remember years ago, there's a fitness instructor who's a very successful fitness instructor called Kylie Gates. Uh, She's quite well known in the Australian industry. And she tells a story about how she was teaching a fitness class and after she, she taught the class, she went to the toilet. So she's basically going to the toilet. She's sitting there in the toilet. And everybody in the room starts talking about her as an instructor. Now, they don't know she's in the, in the you know, like, they don't know she's, like, in the changing rooms. But she can hear this conversation in the changing room, everyone talking about her as an instructor. And it's such a vulnerable moment when you think about it, eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. And, and to definitely. me to me that that's such a cool moment to think about because there's there's the bad side of it there's what would you hate people to to hear said about you at that moment? You know what would be the worst things that people could say about you in that moment? but then if we use it on the flip side, what would be the most amazing things around the values that people would say with you and for me, the values that I would want to hear is that he's honest, that he's loving that he's he's always growing that you know he's ambitious, you know like When I think about – when I look at – like if I look at 100 values written down, that's how I think about it is what do I want my world to actually think that I'm great at and not not as in a way that I'm trying to impress the world that feels aligned to me. Um, And for me, like when I look at my list of values, ultimately that's me being the ultimate me. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so that that probably helps. That's how I figure it out, I suppose. Okay. Now you said – Something oh you before. actually sorry, no, sorry. Do you know the other way? And I'll give you an example. So when I met my partner, my wife, um, she was in a relationship and and I knew I, I knew I was falling for her. And at the same time, she and she was married at the time, and we were we were becoming friends, but I was kind of falling for her. Now, in this moment, I started to being a little bit dishonest to my world. Not not, not, nothing, we never cheated and anything like that ever happened. But I just started to not tell my friends about the extent of where I was going with this. And in that moment, I started to feel I was losing myself. I started to feel like you're not being who you are as a person because I always talk about how honesty is such an important value for me. And when I started to pull away from honesty, I, I just, I felt I was losing myself. And ultimately when I caught that, I contacted Joe and I said to her, look, uh, uh," you know, I didn't really tell her I was falling for it, but I just said, oh, look, it's just really difficult to be a friend with you because there's different things happening here. I can't be your friend. And I basically stopped all contact with her. And then about five months later, she broke up her husband. I was like, hello. (laughs) But, (laughs) but, but I also think when you feel you're losing yourself, and why do you feel you're losing yourself can help you figure out what's important to you because honesty is so important to me. And in this moment in my life, I realized I was losing my honesty because of an attraction I had that really showed that honesty was important to me. Um, and it's sometimes another way to figure it out is when you feel you're pulling away from those things. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's a great answer. Look, I one of the things that you said was around deep down people know their values. I I don't – I honestly think that's missing from society. I think a lot of people don't even understand what their values are. Yep. And I've got a friend who's a psychologist, and when I was studying this acceptance commitment therapy, she, that's one of the ones that she practices with in group sessions. And the amount of people that she, like, asks them, like, what are your values? People don't – they don't understand, like, fundamentally what their values are in life because mm. they they sort of think, well – my, my value depends on what I'm going for versus having that value-based life. Yeah. And it was just a really interesting conversation that we had around that. And I just went, yeah, I I don't think people because you don't you never get taught about your values at school. Like it's not what's valuable for you. It's curriculum. Stick to that. Strive. I, yeah. thought, I don't know. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, no, it's a good point. Well, I
0: mean, but... you, you you work with you work with a lot of people who come to you for they want to have the ultimate goal, which is a transformation of a body and a mind by going after some sort of fitness goal. And values are a big part of people achieving that.
1: Yeah. And you know what? The really interesting thing in all the work I do is I know I've done good work when someone says to me and I hear it, they say, I just feel like I'm being me. You know, that, that is, yeah. And, um, wow. Yeah. That's the ultimate, you know, and, and how I get people to there is different methods um, and that could be through fitness, it could be through mentoring, it could be through just, you know, whatever, but you you just get people say, I just feel like I'm being me. Now, these people may not be able to identify what they because I think the thing for people like yourself and me is we spend the time thinking about what our values are, so we give ourselves that process. I wonder if, if for a lot of people, they just never sit down and think about that. Um, you know, because a lot of your values, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I imagine if you really sat down and you gave people time, and really ask some hard questions around it. You could probably, like, I'm sure the therapy you're learning is about teaching yeah. people to, to identify this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I suppose, if anything, it's if you are lost in this, maybe just give yourself some time to do some exploring mm-hmm. because the answers will be there. Um, yeah. and, and I think one thing that's really important and when I used to do, when I have done value work with people over the years, um, it's really important that you're not thinking of the things you think you want. You're trying to find the core truth. You know, because a lot of people think they want to chase something because it's there's the external reward. Um, but mm. actually, like, for me, honesty is core to who I am. You know, it's core. Like, if I'm not being honest, I'm just not being me. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, like, uh, uh, what's another value that I don't care about? Uh, I don't know. It, if there's a value that I don't care about, or, or like, um, being... I don't know what's a value that I don't care about. I can't even think of one right now. But, but if there was a value I didn't care about, but it, it might someone else, okay, yeah, actually I do know. So I've got a friend who is a very, very wealthy man, very, like probably one of the wealthiest men in my city. Um, and he, he sometimes I am I attracted to his values. Now mm-hmm. he's he's not unethical. He's a very he's a, the way he's made his money. I really admire. But he's not who I am, but sometimes I am attracted to it because the reward of his work is a lot of money, and let's be honest, we all would like some more money um and when I see that, I have to go no i I admire what he has, but it's not what I desire, yeah, That's great, you know and That's so great. and so and sometimes so it's just that understanding of it's you're not trying to chase what other people have, you're trying to understand what's really important to you
0: mm-hmm. yeah. definitely now, the next part, so. <laughs> This year, my sort of theme, as I actually started in December, was basically faith and patience. Like, I was all about faith and patience. And it sort of mirrored on through this year. And that's the other thing, that once someone does figure out their values or they have a goal, then a lot of times people get disgruntled and, like, they get held back because they're like, oh, I've tried for a week, I've tried for a month. So what is it for you that has worked for you for your faith and patience to achieve what you want, whether or not it's like from a biblical sense or it's like you believe in the universe, what is it for you that, that holds your, holds it for you?
1: Yeah. I'm lucky that I do believe I can achieve things. Um, to be honest, it's probably just growth mindset really. Mm -hmm. You know, when you think about it, um, like I, I, am living, I have a really interesting moment in my life right now because if you follow me as a fitness instructor, I'm leading, you know, worldwide leading fitness professional, I stand in front of people every day, I'm confident, I, you know, I'm just, you know, I've done it for 20 something years, I'm I'm really, without sounding arrogant, but I'm good at what I do. Now, I'm, I'm in a band right now, and as a musician, I'm not a very good musician, and that's not me being insecure, I'm kind of like a grade three musician, so, you know, when you think of up to grade nine, I'm kind of, I'm an okay, pretty average musician. And again, this isn't coming from insecurity. It's just a fact. It's just where I sit on that scale. Um, and I've recently, my band, I'm in a band and we've been writing songs and we've started performing. Now, as a performer, as a musician, I'm real low-skilled, really incompetent, really self-aware, really insecure. Um, it's really healthy for me. Uh, <laughs> but for a lot of people, they wouldn't put themselves in that place. Especially for me, because I have a lot of credibility in another area of my life, that it's it's easy just to want to stay safe in the thing that you're already good at. But I I want to be a musician. I want to be creative, and I want to ro- perform in front of people with music. So that's my ambition. And so when I think about this, it's like I understand when I go like a couple of weeks ago, we did an open mic. My stage presence was nothing because I was so bloody scared. I was so self-aware, so nervous. My performance had mistakes, and it, like it was an open mic. It's kind of what it was meant to be, anyway. Mm. But I'm not afraid by that because I believe in growth mindset. So I believe mm. that if I'm willing to confront those moments and I'm willing to face those moments more and more, I will get better at them. And so, mm. like I'm not, a, I'm not a religious person, so I don't necessarily have that faith of a, a bigger thing. Um, mm-hmm. But what I do have is a faith that. If I'm willing to do it, I can move forward. Um, and and I, I like to think I have the courage to put myself in positions where I can be vulnerable that allows me to move forward. And the piano playing, like seriously, I haven't been that nervous, been that scared in, you know, about four or five years. Now, that was so healthy for me. But also, if I want to get to where I want to get to, I've got to go through those steps. But I also understand that if I'm willing to be the person who steps up and does that stuff... I will get to that point down the road at some stage.
0: Yeah, definitely. That first step in whatever it is, like a new instrument, speaking for the first time, talking about anything, asking for a job, like asking a girl out. Yeah, it's it can be so terrifying. Well, it's interesting when I think back to when I
1: was when I was like a drunk, um, and a druggie. What's really interesting about that is that you were so repressed in trying to do anything that the only way you thought you could do anything was with drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. You know, and one of the biggest things about learning to give up drugs and alcohol was to learn to do the behaviors that you thought you needed drugs and alcohol for. So like I remember going out and dancing sober for the first time, and it was such, it was kind of like me on the piano the other week, you know, like I was, you're really self-aware, you know, you you think everyone's looking at you, you feel really weird after about five times, you realize everyone's drunk who gives a shit, you know? (laughs) know, Definitely. And nowadays, I'm like, like when I go to a concert, everyone thinks I'm the guy who's on the most drugs, but, um, (laughs) but, you know, like, I needed to learn, I don't need those stimulants to be the person I want to be, Mm -hmm. and ultimately, I think that, that, that understanding of, I can grow, so I can, and that means I can grow in any area of my life, it allows me to kind of, move towards the scary moments that allow me to grow.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's great. And that speaks to like one of my biggest values as well. And that's authenticity, the ability to be myself, no matter what situation I'm in, yeah. where I am to just hold, hold, stand firm and be, no, no, this is who I am. Like it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah.
0: Leads me to my next question for you. So probably I've, I've become, I really like Instagram. Like I love pictures and I love seeing people go out and do nature and things like that. But one of the things that you notice on that and you find out is there's a lot of insecurity and yeah. it comes back to sort of what you're saying. So how how can people stop caring so much what others think about them?
1: Yeah, that's a really big one. Uh, well, I think a lot of what we've really talked about is really important, first of all, to know mm-hmm. yourself, um, yep. you know, and to know yourself and then to know that you're acting in ways that are aligned to yourself. I think that's a first start. So to, to actually spend some time understanding the values. And then, you yep. know, like if we think of those awareness tools as each day, I catch when I'm falling off the wagon. Like I know when I'm I'm falling yep. off the wagon. So, you know, I think that's, that's really important because if you don't know yourself, you're looking elsewhere to find yourself um, sometimes. And so I think that's really important. Is is a good start point, is just to spend that time understanding who you are and then to create some awareness tools to see how you're going around that. Mm -hmm. I don't think you, it's, it's, I think there is value in in caring about how people care, what people think about you, Mm -hmm. but it needs to be the right people. So, you know, like I've, I've got like four or five core friends in my life. And what's great about my four or five core friends in my life, they know who I am. They they understand what my values are. I haven't sat down and told them them, but they've spent so much time with me. They know who I are. And my friends are great because they're going to pull me up. You know, they're going to say, hey, Bev, mate, you've been letting yourself down a bit here. And they're not yeah. coming from a place of you're not being what I think you should be. They're coming from a place of I see you're not being what you think you should be. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, There is value in having other people to be aware for you, but you've got to choose. You've got to make sure it's the right people. And so in my life, there are people who I do care about their judgment because I know their judgment comes on helping me evolve myself as a person. And so I think one thing around that is to really start to think about your team and really start to think about those people who you are going to look for or, or respect their, their opinion and respect their guidance, and 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 also, I'm the mate who's going to pull you up, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I, I am yeah. the mate who's I've I've spoken. Some mates who said, actually, I was watching you here, and you know, I don't think it was. You know, I don't think you're up to where you want to be. And now they know that I'm coming from a place of love. It's not coming from a place of you're not good enough. or you're not living up to my standards. It's you know that. And then secondly, then it's about knowing where you shouldn't worry about judgment. And I'll give you a good example. So I do these videos for Les Mills, and it's a big thing globally. Like Les Mills is a big company, and I'm lucky to kind of represent the company at a big level. And when I first started doing them, this is back before kind of social media, but you go on forums, and people would, you go on these forums, and people would be talking about you, and... <laughs> Ninety-nine percent of it was really positive. Like it was just a big ego hit, and it's kind of the only reason I was going on it was just to get an ego hit. Um, but then sometimes someone would write something about you that was quite negative. And I remember one time someone wrote something that said basically I was a real snob, and um, you know I was just real self-involved and a real snob. Now, if you look at the evidence of how I teach fitness classes. It's just not true. It's just not a fact. You know, like mm-hmm. you know, I'm always here fifteen minutes for a class. I go around, I talk to everyone. I know everyone's names. I, I'm, I really believe engagement is it's one of my strengths as an instructor. But I was so upset by this feedback. Now the thing about this person was, it was someone who lived in a different country who had never actually done my class. So, it was wrong of me to worry about judgment from that person because it didn't even know me. And so. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think in the social media world, we put stuff out there looking for that gratification, looking for gratification from people who don't even know us. And I think Mm -hmm. that while we can enjoy the benefits of social media, it's really important to – because the thing I learned when I – because basically at that moment I thought, I can't look at forums. And A, I can't look at forums because B, there's a potential that I – you know, that the people who don't know me are going to judge me. But also, a that was A, B – I can't believe the good stuff either because mm-hmm. the people who are praising me don't know me either. And so when one of my runners who's had an experience of me for two or three months and I've helped them grow, comes up to me and says, Bevan, you've really impacted my life. Well, I've, I can see that I've helped them. So that's different. Whereas someone who's just watched me do a video and, you know, give me all this praise, which is really not real, you know, it's just because they're trying to grease up to me. You need to have perspective around that. And so mm. for me, it's about, yeah, understanding that you don't want to chase the wrong kind of praise or the wrong kind of judgment or the wrong kind of thinking what other people feel about you mm-hmm. and it's putting that aside but also not feeding that for yourself and then yep. secondly, having the right people who can guide you in ways that are really important to you. That's
0: That sums up. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And, and I, I completely agree. Like The right people around you is key and knowing who to take advice from and who can pull you up
1: yeah and also you go go sorry you go
0: i was just gonna say it's it's very hard for people because like i know in times in my life i've had to make decisions to not cut people out but limit the exposure i have to them because they're not the right person for me and their feedback is negative and it has an impact and that's that's another big
1: big barrier for people yeah totally well i think one thing so there's two things around there First is, I do believe if you've got shit people in life, get rid of them. Like, I do believe. And, and sometimes <laughs> yeah. it's hard because that's family. You know, for a lot of people, yep. that is family. Yep. So it can be really, really hard. Um, but if if it's if it's ne- negative, then, mm-hmm. you know, you're probably better off not having that person in your life. And sometimes there's some big hurdles. You know, if you're in a relationship, that's a hard thing to have to work through. But, you you know, like, there, there is a better life out there if you make those choices. Yeah. Um, secondly, we also need to learn how we respond to honest feedback or honesty from other people. Uh, so one of my bad character traits is defensiveness. So, um, and I've learned to not be defensive, but, but it's still something that even when someone will give me feedback, it's my kind of natural default. So I've kind of created these processes in myself to stop myself. So for example, uh, my band, we're going to record an album and I've got this kind of cool, Out there strategy that hopefully can get us a hit song. It's really out there. And I went for a run with one of my very best friends a couple of weeks ago. And he's a really good musician. And as we're going for this run, I told him this strategy. And he said said to me, oh, there's this one problem here. Now, inside myself, I'm going defensive. I'm like, oh, he doesn't get it. (laughs) But actually, I had to stop myself and I had to take on board what he told me. Mm -hmm. And once I stopped myself from being defensive, he was right. He was right, that was a big problem in the way I saw how to do this. put this thing together. And so also what we need to understand is, sure there's negative people and we want to remove those people, but if we have got people in our life who care enough about us to be honest and give us good feedback to help us grow, we also need to learn how we respond that maybe actually limit what we can get from them. And defensiveness is a really good example of that, and it's something, I think it will always be there for me, but it's that ability to stop myself to not, be defensive in the moment and actually try to take on board what they're trying to teach me and then see if they're, you know, then make an assessment if it is good advice and then act upon it. But I do think there's a little bit of us having a good understanding because a good understanding of how we respond to these moments so that we can get very, and I also think just a good thing, I've been thinking about this with my wife recently. So sometimes my wife thinks I'm saying it's what's your intent? You know, so what's the intent behind the comment? Because sometimes my wife, sometimes my wife will, if she's in an insecure place, I'll make a comment, and she thinks of my comment's coming from judgment. Now, it's because she's in an insecure place. So I might make a comment, and it's probably pretty minor, but because she's in an insecure place, she takes that comment as judgment. Now, my intent of that comment, now, can I, I can be honest, I've got the most amazing wife in the world, she's she's intelligent, she's, she's just everything I could have ever hoped in her wife, I never judge my wife, (laughs) like, like, and I'm I'm really not being, I'm really, I I, I couldn't have got a better person, like, seriously, I love the crap out of her, I never judge her, but when, sometimes when she's insecure, she takes some of my comments as judgment, now, I probably do that as well, we all do this, but sometimes we've got to go, what's the intent behind that comment, because, Like, when my friend gave that comment to me, he wasn't saying, oh, that's a failing strategy. His intent was to help me. But if I was defensive, he was going, he doesn't believe in me. Or if I was being insecure, he doesn't believe in me. He doesn't, you know, he he, he thinks I'm going to fail. So if I was insecure in that moment, I would have saw his intent as he thinks I'll fail. But ultimately, in that moment, he was just trying to help me. And because I stopped myself from being defensive and I wasn't insecure in the moment, I could see that his solution was actually pretty right. And he was coming from a place of, I want to help Bevan in this moment. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we've just got to be aware of how we work against ourselves when we are hearing honest feedback from our world.
0: It's one of the hardest characteristics of what I define as like humility because that to actually be humble enough to go, oh, maybe they are trying to help me. And yeah, that's something I'm constantly working on as well.
1: Yeah, I I just love the idea of thinking of what's the intent behind the person's behaviours. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, and I think sometimes we've got to take a step back and, and look for the general trend, because if we're in a vulnerable moment, we will take their intent the wrong way, or there's a high chance we'll take their intent the wrong way, whereas if I look at my mate who gave me the feedback, he's never really done anything that says he doesn't back me. So if I'm having an insecure moment, and I think he doesn't back me, but then I step back and go, that's not what he normally does, then I can I can understand it's more I'm reading this in a way that's coming from my insecurity.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yep definitely definitely and the next question I wanted to ask you was around that it's all about basically being everything you sort of touched on is about being present in the moment yeah. like how do you how do you remain present like is there strategies that fall outside of assessing your values and living yeah. that value?
1: Yeah, um, I- I'll be honest, I'm like all people, I definitely have moments where I struggle with this, and especially in today's world, um, I'm far from perfect in this way. Um, you know, the phone, I- I'm pretty good, but I definitely have moments where the phone is a problem. Um, I-, I actually think it's just strategies around organization and focus. So I'm very, very, like I've, I'm very organizationally strong. So each week I have a weekly meeting, I sit down, I plan out my whole week. Mm-hmm. I have an objective session where I write down what are my objectives for the week. Every morning I get a piece of paper, write down my list of what I'm trying to do throughout the day. I tick off my list, I plan my time. I also plan my time around my energy. So for example, like today, I got up at quarter to five this morning. I did a little bit of work, then I went to taught a class at the gym. Then I came home, I recorded my podcast, my triathlon podcast. Mm-hmm. Then I knew I had my interview with you. So I knew I was going to be pretty tired about 11 o'clock. So that's when I stopped. I had some lunch and I meditated. Once I get a phone for you, I've got a kind of business project I'm going to have to do for two or three hours. Then I've got a coach tonight. So I'm going to jump on the piano because it's another little recharge. So I, I try to plan my time around how long I think I can focus on a thing. And mm-hmm. I think that definitely helps as well. Um, and then like little things like bedtime strategies. So like when I go to bed, I, I try to make it a rule that you pick up your Kindle, you don't pick up your phone. Because if I pick up my phone, I'm going to stay up way too late. If I pick up my Kindle, I'm asleep 15 minutes later. So it is to me. To me, it's that thing of it takes effort. You know, when you think about everything I've just listed there, I do a weekly meeting, I do objectives, I plan my day, I make sure I pick up the Kindle. To me, it's it's understanding for me to have a focused presence life. There's a moment of effort before you you get that, and to not be resistant to effort, to actually understand effort is really valuable because when I do the effort, the rewards of effort are, are amazing.
0: Definitely, definitely. Yeah. What's, what's a lesson you've learned in the last six months or August this year? What's a lesson you've learned this year?
1: I think my biggest lesson this year is singular focus. Um, okay, I'm an ideas guy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've got a million ideas in my head and, and I love problem solving and I love, you know, like I, and in many ways, I, not that I don't feel I've achieved in my life, but the, I, I think I could have achieved a lot more if I was a bit more singular focused at times. Okay. And, uh, and I've talked about this recently on my own podcast, but I'll talk about it now. So my band's a good example of this. So I've played, I'm an adult pianist. So I started playing piano as an adult, um, mm-hmm. I've worked really hard at it. I'm very disciplined. So for the last ten years, I've probably averaged five hours a week on the piano. Wow. I'm I'm not I'm not as good as I should be, compared, considering the time I've spent on it. Um, and if you would asked me why did I start playing piano, it would have been to be creative, to play with other musicians, and to perform. They, they, mm-hmm. they were the three intents of playing piano, because that's why I want to do it now. In the amount of time I've spent on it, I've spent bugger all time being creative, bugger all time playing with other people, and bugger all time performing. And what I've done in my time is I've kind of gone, oh, I need to do this bit before I can get to that bit. So, you know, I need to learn my scales, or I need to get lessons, or I need to do this, this, and that, other thing. And while I've definitely become a better musician over those 10 years, A, I've kind of gone about a real scatterbrained approach, you know, and this year, I've gone into this real idea of just be singular focused in all the areas that are important to you. So around, um, kind of halfway through the lockdown in New Zealand, one of my old band members, I played in a band, but it was more just jamming a few years ago. Um, We only performed like one open mic back in those days, and we'd written about three songs. Um, He contacted me, and I said, mate, let's do it, but let's do it right. Now, since that time... I haven't done anything on the piano other than anything that's going to progress the piano of the band forward. So I'm not learning scales. I'm not learning, I haven't learned any new pieces. I haven't done anything about piano other than writing songs, practicing performances, helping the band get better. Now in the last three months, I've done more performing. I've done more writing. And I've done more playing for musicians than I have in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And for me, my problem was is that I spread myself too wide. And if I if I can understand ultimately what I want to achieve, so for me in music it is those three things. Mm -hmm. Just be singular focused on that. Now, when I said before that I'm a grade three pianist, I am. I'm probably never going to be a grade nine pianist because it's actually not what I want to be. So, Mm -hmm. for me to be worried about chasing that path down, doing grades and all the rest of it is actually a waste. It's counterintuitive to what I want to be with my music, and I've just Mm -hmm. found. A, I've progressed so much more in the areas that are important to me because I'm singular focused around my, my music time. B, I'm loving it. <laughs> like, like you know, like, A, I had that moment in front of me where I was nervous in front of people the other week. I've written some songs. I'm really proud of them. I've written some song words. Jamming off the boys on a Thursday night is really awesome, especially when you write your own music. So I'm actually feeling more stimulated about music than I have in the whole 10 years I've been doing it. And so for me, I think... You know, and, I, and I'm trying to take this into all areas of my life is that, you know, like in business right now, I'm just trying to, there's an area I'm trying to be singular focused on. Um, and I don't know, for me at this moment, that was kind of the key lesson I needed to learn this year.
0: Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And just as we sort of wrap up, yeah. what would you like to share about yourself? Like what's going on for you now, project wise, community, the fitness,
1: uh yeah so well uh if you want to follow me you can obviously follow me by my own podcast which is the Bevan james r show um i have i have worked on a 5k program called my 5k dream which people can get at my 5k dream it's an online version of a 5k program um ultimately five kilometer running program yeah but it's not just yeah, like yeah. you know you think of the apps it's not just the program so what it is is it's the program but also like strength videos flexibility videos, technique videos. Mm -hmm. So it's got all the physical side that you need, but it's also, it's mentoring as well. So each week in the program, there's like a 20 to 30 minute mentoring session where I take people through the lessons they need to understand to be successful in the next week. And it's basically taking, you know, myself and my team, we've trained nearly, geez, four and a half thousand people to run 5Ks now. So it's taking all those lessons and putting in a package that helps Particularly non-exercises. So if you're not exercising, it's designed for you. Uh, it's called My Five K Dream. Um, I'm really proud of the product. It's so thorough, and it's got ev- like I I put so much work into it because I really want to make it great. Uh, so there's that. Um, I suppose one thing I, I would encourage, especially people who work in fitness, is I think one of the problems of fitness right now is everybody's chasing online, mm-hmm. and One thing I would try to encourage fitness professionals is become a great community leader. Because unfortunately, people need people. Well, not unfortunately, but people need people. You know, and to me, in our world nowadays, we think social media is community, but it's not. And it's not that social media doesn't help community, but, you know, community is people being together, having shared experiences, Growing, having laughs, and all the rest of it, and to me, my job is in Christchurch is to build community, to have people have these real life experiences. Like, you know, I do a bit of public speaking, and I enjoy public speaking, but the downfall of public speaking is it's just a moment. You know, you know, like when you go to a public speech, how often have you gone to a public speak and you've gone away and you actually changed anything about your life? You know, you, you often go away and you go, that's a cool idea, and then you go back to your old habits. <laughs> and that's the thing I find frustrating about public speaking, is you can have an impact, but you don't necessarily help people change. Whereas with my running business, we take people through this, like, 10-week transformational experience, uh-huh. and they have this shared experience with people in a group, and they make friendships, and they grow, and they empower each other. And, you know, I remember a lady once said to me, I learned more in doing this program than what I did in the Anthony Robbins course. Yeah. And to me, that's what fitness leaders should be doing. You know, sure, the internet has a place, but just spend your time trying to build a cool community in your own local area because the world needs more communities. And in this time where people are time poor and attention poor and kind of people poor, we want to make sure that we're providing opportunities for actually people to have those genuine human connections.
0: Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Mate, last question. Yeah, go for it. What are
1: you most proud of? Do you know what I, I, got, I got asked this a while ago, and it's, I'm very, there's kind of lots. Of, I'm very, I'm lucky because I've got lots that I'm proud of. I think I'm, I'm probably most proud of the fact that I've been able to have a career that's about helping people. Um, you know, this is a hard game. Fitness, there's no money in fitness. Now, admittedly, because I'm good with money and I invested young, it, it's, it's helped me. Um, but a life of helping people has many challenges. Um, and most people in my industry, especially when they get to my age, have moved on because it's just tough. Um, but I'm really proud of the fact that I've been able to maintain a career in this, in helping people. Um, and more importantly, that we actually do help people. Like with our 5K product, we're trying to help people. Like think of someone 45 years old, has an exercise their whole adult life, overweight. Insecure around exercise. You know, that, that we've had people tell us they come to the first session and stay in the car and watch the first session before they come to the second session. They're that scared of exercise. And our, our 5K program has a 90% success rate. You know, and so I'm really proud of the fact that we deliver on what we promise. That we don't just sell the product, we actually we give, give the result. Um, because I think there's a lot of people out there who are quite happy to, sell something but then if you look at you've measured their results to me it's always does it actually help um and i'm really proud of the fact that a i've been able to have a career in helping people but actually the work we do actually works so that's probably it
0: that's great look mate i really want to acknowledge you for the time to speak with you and I mean, it's the second time I've been able to interview you and I've taken a lot of gold out of this, your perspective on life and around self-awareness and the different tools that people can use. Mm-hmm. It really is a testament to you being a great leader in the community and its it must be part of the reason why you do have so much success with people because you really take the time to understand who you are and then from that, you can better help those around you. So, well, I, I, thanks, I, I know
1: you're wrapping up, but I just, I'll just say one thing. Because if we go to those people who tell other people how to live their lives, and I, I definitely do that. That's part of what I do. Mm-hmm. You want to choose people who have actually helped other people change their lives. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people on the internet have just changed themselves. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's value in that. But yeah. there's a difference between someone who's changed himself and someone who's actually changed other people. And so when you think about the people you choose to guide you along the way, make sure you choose someone who has a history of actually helping people like you. Because to yeah. me, because I've learned a lot, and if you'd interviewed me you know, 15 years ago, it would have been about how I had changed. Whereas nowadays, because I've been fortunate enough to help lots of other people change, most of the lessons I've learned has not come from me, it's come from actually watching how I've helped other people change. Mm-hmm. And so if, for those who are listening to this, when you choose the people to guide you along the way, don't just choose the person who's just changed himself. Choose the person who's also helped other people change.
0: Awesome. That's that's great, mate. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, mate. It's been awesome. Well, that was the interview. I hope you enjoyed it. I took a lot out of it. The one thing that I implemented straight away from that was a journal and updating the way that I journaled to really be around that self-awareness. And the reason I do that is it really gets pointed out that... What you think matters and what you think about yourself is often a breakdown of what you think other people think about you. So it's not even your thoughts and it's getting in line with what you think, making it your thoughts. I mean, I've just put together a video for Are you Okay Day and I use the analogy of a puzzle in terms of creating that picture about who we are as a person. And sometimes the picture that we have of ourselves it's not even our picture it's a picture that maybe our parents have got of us it's a picture that maybe our partners have got of us maybe maybe our employees have got of us and what happens during life is that we all change and we always evolve and we're striving to achieve things and sometimes when you're getting held back it's you're getting held back by perhaps people around you that they think they're there to support you but if someone's not supporting you and not supportive of what you're striving to do or what change you've made in your life or the direction you want to go If it really doesn't align, if they don't really don't align with you and you really believe that what you're going after is worth it and it's part of your life and part of who you've become, maybe you need to have some hard conversations with yourself and some hard conversations with people around you. And that may even mean distancing yourself from some other people and in some cases that could be parents or it could be be someone you've been best friends with for a long time. But you matter that matters and striving for what you want in life really matters so adjust that picture in your head and listen to what you say and pay attention to what you say is probably the big takeaway from that now look i hope you've enjoyed this and be back in probably two more weeks with another another episode and i'll be sure to be back with my main man mike and yeah all right everyone hope you're awesome stay well and keep riding high
1: you